What is up, you guys? And welcome back to another episode of Reluminati, the podcast where we drink beer and talk about conspiracy theories. My name is John. And this is Jake. And welcome back. And today, I have no idea what we're talking about because <laughs> Jake is surprising me. It's a super secret. Yeah, with something. I have no idea. So, Jake, tell us a little what we're talking about. All right. So, mostly Nazis. I love talking about Nazis. <laughs> the first thing that came to my brain was I love Nazis, but I, not that I, I love heard them. you going down that road. <laughs> I love like killing them in video games sure, and like yeah. watching World War Two movies. I'm obsessed with that whole era. Not, you know, I just don't want anybody to misunderstand. I, <laughs> I do not support. I do Nazis. not support Nazis. <laughs> I just love this story of, you know, and how it's become this like pop culture thing. We see it in movies. Yeah. We see it in video games. It's Indiana just this thing. I always love watching the good guy destroy the Nazis, you know, and the history of it is just so interesting. Yeah. And I find that aspect of it really interesting. But of course, who they are and what they did and everything about that. Yeah. Horrible. They're complete assholes and dipshits and they, you know, murdered millions of people. Way too many people. Awful, horrible, bad. But I like talking about them. I'm always interested in learning about them. And we're talking about actual Nazis. Actual like 1940, Nazis. Yeah. 1930s, 1940s. Hitler, yes. Actual Nazis. Real Nazis. Yes. Not modern day no. Nazis. No. We could. <laughs> we could talk about them. No, this is all about how Hitler was completely misunderstood and the Nazis were great people. No, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> your eyes got so big. <laughs> I was like, please tell me that's not what we're talking about. I almost had an aneurysm over here. I was like... <laughs> No, no, not to take me to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, these guys are awful. So um, yeah. one and I too not like Nazis again, but I they're very interesting there because they're, yeah, they're a multi layered kind of villain that everybody has in their head. That's pretty easy to hate. And it's just this this kind of thing you can fall back on And And one of the most interesting parts about the whole thing is that they were crazy too. like they weren't just regular bad guys. Yeah. They were super into mysticism and, you know, people were reading Nostradamus and going down these rabbit holes of crazy things. They went to, they went to Nepal and talked to the Dalai Lama and stuff and like Nazis were weird and they believed crazy shit. I mean, they're basically Hydra. Yes. Cause yeah. like Hydra 100%. from the MCU is 10,000% based on, right. you know, Hitler's, really crazy division of real Nazis that did paranormal research and stuff like right. the Nazis actually did that. So like in the MCU, they make it seem like the Nazis didn't do that. That's what Hydra was. Yeah. But that was actually real. The Nazis yeah. did do that. Right. And it wasn't called Hydra. It was just called the Nazis. The Nazis. <laughs> they were already <laughs> um, named. But yeah. But when you think about what we're talking about here, when we're talking about yeah. Nazis and paranormal shit, we're yep. basically talking about real life Hydra. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hydra... Uh, Marvel did that in like the 60s. The mid 60s is when they came out. Right. So, I mean, think about the 90s or the 2000s and that's how close the Nazis were to people writing Hydra comics in the 60s. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And now in the MCU, they keep coming back to yeah. Hydra stuff. Like yeah. it happened all the way through the whole arc of the Infinity Stone arc yeah. that's going on now. Now they've moved on to Disney Plus and they're revisiting Hydra again in the... Oh. And the Falcon and um, Winter Soldier are. I've only seen the first on episode now. yet. Yeah, they're revisiting that kind of thing. Nice. And yeah, they just keep bringing it back. And everything brings it back. Like we have so many movies, yeah. you know, every COD that comes out and they put a zombies in, it's always Nazi zombies oh, yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Like it's, and it's, it's fun to, fun to make them the bad guy. And it's so interesting to talk about the weird, crazy shit that they did. So 
Yeah. So this one, um, we're we're gonna explore one very specific Nazi occult thing. Okay. Uh, which is uh, I'll just get into the story. So I'll give you a little background and then we'll move into it. All right. So uh, in May 1945, Jacob Sporenberg, a uh, total Nazi piece of garbage, who held the title of Gruppenführer, which means I guess probably slightly under the Führer, which uh, he was a high up person in the uh, SS. He was captured by British forces. He was in he was in Norway doing Nazi shit in Norway, and uh, the British forces grabbed him. He was captured. He was questioned, and uh, for taking part in this mass shooting of a bunch of different uh, people, including a lot of Jewish Jewish people, that were at a local harvest festival in Poland. Uh, he was basically tried and put to death for that um, as he should have been as but, he should have been. Yeah. Okay. So I mean that was just one thing that they kind of were able to easily pin on him. Yeah. Um, so anyways during his questioning uh, Sporenberg started spilling the beans about all kinds of Nazi experiments from human trials to the crazy V2 rockets that they were building. Yeah, which are actual things like the you know very advanced rocketry. Yeah. Uh, one thing that really stood out was his description of something called D or the Nazi bell. Have you heard of this at all? No. Okay. It's going to get crazy. Awesome. So if you're uh, if you're a fan of the ancient aliens, I think this comes up a couple times throughout the history of that show. Okay. Uh, but they didn't really dive into it too much. So uh, many researchers at this point who are looking into his questioning, there's documents of when he was questioned and interrogated where he describes this Nazi bell in detail down to how it works, what happened to it, all these different things. A lot of people just think that he was full of crap crap or just saying whatever he could to stop from getting tortured. Sure. It makes sense. Self preservation. Yeah. As As we do. do. Yeah. Um, But he was pretty consistent describing one thing over and over. And that one thing that he just kept coming back to and describing was this mythical bell that granted the users some very serious powers that we're going to get into here. Okay. Um, Spornberg was probably just a lying piece of Nazi trash. The people interrogating him asked for a few proofs. He described the factory where the experiments were carried out complete with a Stonehenge like structure where the bell was chained up during its trials. Not long after he was hung for being a Nazi piece of shit, investigators traveled to the Owl Mountains near the border of Poland and the Czech Republic, and they found everything Spornberg explained exactly as he described it and exactly where it was. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So today, what what is this Nazi bell? What were they doing with it? Why did it need this Stonehenge to uh, to be experimented on? Why were Nazis completely obsessed with occult and magic? And uh, what did Diglaka have to do with a UFO crash in rural Pennsylvania? Oh, shit. Yeah. This so, sounds lit. Yeah. So today on Brew Illuminati, we're going to dig into one little tiny small piece of Nazi occultism and try to figure out what the hell it's all about. But first, what are you drinking over there? Talk about some beer. <laughs> all right. So uh, we did not know we were going to talk about this beer today. We did not. We thought we were going to do the normal thing and talk about different beers, but I, when Jake got to my house today to record this, I pulled this beer out and I was like, hey, I got this cool new beer and it's, you know, that I hadn't, you know, I'd seen a couple of times in the store, but I had never bought and I showed it to him. He was like, oh shit, that brewery <laughs> is sick. We should talk about, we'll both drink that beer and we'll just talk about it and yeah. not do what we were going to do. So what we were talking about today is the Mind Haze IPA from Firestone Walker Brewing Company, and they are based in Paso. You're gonna have to fix me on <laughs> this. Paso Robles. They're uh, that's yeah. where their main brewery is. Paso yeah. Robles, California. Paso Robles, which so, is a it's like wine country. Okay. Uh, they have a they have a nice 
big brewery and restaurant there. It's really okay. cool. Nice. Highly recommend. So for once, we are basically getting almost as far away from <laughs> North Carolina as you can get and still be in the United States yeah. aside from Alaska or Hawaii. Guam. Guam, yeah, I guess. Guam. Well, continental United States. Yeah, okay. Lower 48. Then not Alaska, I guess. Yeah, or Hawaii. Or Hawaii. But there are some really dope breweries in Hawaii. And if we can ever get some from beer from out there, specifically Maui Brewing Company, oh yeah, I would be super into that. So if anybody out there knows anybody in California who can get me a case of <laughs> some beer from Maui Brewing Company, I would love you. I've seen they sell some at Harris Theater. They sell like their one. Not the Maui IPA. Brewing Company. No, I thought the surf surfboard something or other. That I think that's Burial. Surf Wax? No, no, not Surf Wax. It's Kona? Uh, maybe it's Kona. Yeah. Kona's Longboard. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. yeah mixing them up. Yeah. I've had yeah. I've had Maui in Los Angeles. They sell it. Yeah. So they'll distribute Maui Brewing Company into Los Angeles, but they won't push it or into California, but they basically won't bring it yeah. anywhere east of the Rockies. It's like Coors back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. That's why but, that's why the bandit had to do that. Yeah. But uh, that brewery is sick and I have a hat from there that cool. I wear every single day. Nice. And their beer is super dope. Yeah. But we're not talking about Maui Brewing Company today. We are we're not. talking about Firestone Walker. Uh, so this can, very cool. I've seen it in the grocery store a bunch of times. It kind of caught my eye, but I never really reached out to it because I saw this brewery and I was like, the fuck is this brewery? <laughs> I had never heard it before and I never looked any more into it, but Harris Teeter was having one of those multiple grocery carts full of ultra sale yep. beer. So I picked up a six pack of this for $8. Definitely worth it. And I was like, all right, I'm fucking sold. They also had a 30 rack of Coors Light for $11 and I should have bought that too and I fucked up not getting it, but you know, whatever. <laughs> we just, the next 10 episodes. <laughs> all right, Coors, Coors, Coors Light. Light. <laughs> Coors. Um, taste of the Rockies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, this can's really cool. It has this like weird kind of, I can't tell if it's like fire or marble kind of, it just has this kind of, it looks like when you drop food coloring into water, murky water. Yeah, or like multicolored smoke. Yeah. Kind of thing going on where it's got like some light blues and some dark blues or some pink in here. It's really cool looking. And there's this like watercolor kind of thing behind or watermark kind of thing going on behind it where on the right side it has the fighting grizzly bear with the star and on the left side it has the fighting lion. Yeah, that's like their logo. They have that everywhere. Yeah, that's the Firestone Walker logo. Uh, and it says beer before glory, which I assume is their little saying, but it doesn't really say anything on here about what the beer is supposed to taste like. It just says that it is a hazy India pale ale, 6.2% ABV and a nice little laser printed 12 ounce can. Yeah, and that's kind of all I know. Like I didn't look any further into this, but yeah. Jake immediately jumped all over this and was like, oh, I know all about this brewery. So yeah. t- tell, tell us all about the... So they're, they're kind of a staple in, in, uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, for okay. You know, Paso Robles is up by kind of Santa Barbara, but it's inland a little ways. And it's right next to Solvang, which is this crazy little Dutch wine town. So rich people go to Napa. Poor people go to Solvang. Sick. And that's kind of how it works. So so my wife and I used to go to Solvang all the time. We would just, it's like a four hour drive. So we would just drive up there and stay the night in this like weird pirate shaped hotel. And okay. Anyways. So Paso Robles is near there. Yeah. So Paso it's Robles not is like right really near Los Angeles. Because well, in North so, Carolina terms, I can get from here to Asheville in four hours. Yeah. But so they opened while I was, I worked in Venice Beach and I was like a three minute walk from the beach. And, uh, 
right when I was working there, they broke ground and opened up their own kind of Firestone Walker restaurant. Okay, nice. And their food is out of control good. It's like really, really good bar food. Okay. Kind of like the... Uh, I was aviators, kind of like aviators. Yeah, restaurant. yeah, yeah. Big hearty burgers and really yeah. good fries and stuff. I really like the Aviator Restaurant, which yeah. what we're talking about is another brewery, but it's here right. in North Carolina. It's in Holly Springs, Fuquay yes. area. Yeah, and they're they have a restaurant. It has uh, they have two restaurants that are across the street from each other. One is like a steakhouse, and the other one's oh, like really? a bar food type place. Yeah, it's the smokehouse on the side with the buildings, and then yeah. it's basically like a bar food on the other side. I didn't know it was across the street. I've, yeah, I've been to the other place, but the brewery is somewhere else. Oh, and okay. I am not a big fan of aviator beer. I think yeah. it's extremely general. It's yeah. very just like, it's fine. Yeah. But their food is dope. Yeah. So I'll suffer through some totally fine <laughs> beer uh, to eat some really good food. So yeah, their food is kind of uh, like that place we went to the, uh, the tavern in uh, Cameron village. Village, village draft, draft house. house, the village draft house. Yeah. yeah I just took my mom there the similar. other day. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so they opened this restaurant and the food is just dope is incredible and they do really crazy experimental beers all the time nice um and so they have all these weird things they're really known for kind of like the velvet merlin which is a stout that they have which is really good okay and then they do different versions of that they'll have like a five-year barrel aged you know merlin and it comes out and it's like 19 percent or something something ridiculous (laughs) and uh you know you drink a shot of it you're done you know, but it's um really great place. If you're in Los Angeles, it's at uh, Venice and the one it's right there. So I would say, uh, yeah, go there. It's worth it. It's really cool. And, yeah. Uh, and they, I, so I first drank this beer the other day when I bought it. Of course, I yeah. you know, threw it in the fridge, pop one out. And I drank it first when I was, uh, I had just grilled some like huge burgers. Okay. And I put, you know, cheese and some Mount Olive pickles. Somebody... Our patron tried to argue with me on Instagram the other day about what pickles are better, Clawson or Mount Olive, and I said Mount Olive because they're from here. Wickles. What? Wickles pickles. They're the best pickles. No, they're not. Yeah, I'll bring you a jar. Mount Olive is I'll the bring best. you a jar of them. They'll blow okay. your mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was eating this huge burger. I'd made a yeah. bunch of fries. Like It was super good, and I broke this beer out, and it went awesome. Yeah. With a huge it's good burger. Their, their beers are, they do like tasting menus and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but now that I'm sitting down drinking it all by itself, it just has a completely different kind of flavor profile yeah. going on when you're just drinking the beer all alone. And it sort of surprised me. I was like, I recall this being amazing. And right. I'm, I'm not saying it's not good. It's just like this flavor mixed with food. It, it knocks it out of the park. Like this is the yeah. perfect, easy drinking, great with food, but still has like a nice flavor going on. But it's not yeah. what I recalled it being. It's not crazy hoppy or anything, so it's not going to no. overwhelm any kind of food. Yeah, you could probably drink this with basically anything. Oh yeah, like another one of them, <laughs> side by side. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think it's very mild, very drinkable, but it also is like six and a half, six point two percent. Yeah, it's pretty light. Yeah, I mean it's it's great. It it drinks like an ale, but it's definitely a hazy IPA. Yeah, um, extremely drinkable. Yeah, like I find this significantly more drinkable than any of the sessions, the really piney sessions agree, yeah, that totally we've gotten, agree. like the Daycation yep. or all or Founders All Day IPA. I find this significantly better than that. I agree. Yeah, the only thing I like or I, or I'm missing from it is a little bit of like I would, I would like there to be a little bit of grapefruit or something. Yeah, I could go with a little bit more citrusiness yeah. and I could go with like maybe a tad bit more hoppiness and a little bit more body. Yeah. It's really, really thin. Yeah. yeah. So you have this like very, very 
light, almost pilsnery ale type mouthfeel yep. to it where it just kind of like slides down and it all drains away and you don't get any like really good dense IPA yeah. aftertaste. Yep. Which is not what they were going for here, I'm right. sure. But it 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 would to me have maybe just like kicked it up a notch if they'd added that extra like 0.2% alcohol it would have taken to like throw a little bit of body on it. Yeah. So they have a double mind haze that I've had at the brewery. Yeah. Um, and it's good. It's it's a totally it's a completely different taste. Yeah. Um, altogether, but it's kind of it's more body. It's like a, but it's not boozy at all. You know. Yeah. Well, you were just reading to me a little bit what they say on oh. their website about the about what, the beer. What was it? Was the, you were reading it. To oh me yeah, and it right was here. Dead on. Flavor wise, this is comparatively dry and quote unquote green when put into the context of most other hazy IPAs, which are sweet and loaded with stinky overripe fruit flavors. Mind Haze is sharper and more refreshing with a lighter mouthfeel thanks to minimal sugar. I 100% agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. If that's what they were going for, this is dead on. Yeah. It's not It's not even remotely close to something like juiciness or really yeah. high-end kind of heavy IPA. Like uh, I, I, I keep referring back to Sycamore all the time. I'm sure you all are sick <laughs> of it. But it's, they're a good benchmark because their beers are so good. They are, yeah. Um, but if you've ever had anything... Uh, even anything from 420 or yeah. um or any of the like 60 minute IPAs or 90 minute IPAs the or dankness the, yeah, the, the kind of like yeah hobby. this does not have that not at and, all not and, even or really. like sticky crystals from Sycamore that's like yeah. a, a that's extremely solid it's a 10 yeah. out of 10 high end IPA oh yeah this is just not like that and that doesn't make it not good it's just it's it's very very different yeah i mean in this a is good definitely way a, i think yeah yeah, I think so too. This is definitely to sit around and have a nice couple beers with your friends. Yeah, this is grab a sixer and you guys can drink all of them and be oh, totally yeah. fine. And yeah. it, it'll be yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna get more. I, I think it's a worthwhile investment. I'm a hundred percent gonna <laughs> get more. Like, especially now as it's starting to get hot. Yeah, like we're in my garage right now and it's probably seventy five degrees it's outside, up there. and it's probably is a little warmer than that inside my garage. 80 it's 80 degrees outside it's probably a little bit warmer than that in here yeah this is perfect yeah right now like if i had to choose between this and like a really fruity goza or something like that something that's summertime i would i would probably pick this yeah for sure yeah you know definitely this would be a great like i just finished mowing the lawn or doing a bunch of outdoor (laughs) yard work and i wanted to sit down and drink something that wasn't going to knock me out before dinner yeah. This would be great for that. I th- in California, they were doing, when I left Los Angeles, the Brute IPA movement was jumping up really heavily. I fucking hated that. <laughs> Brute IPAs taste like trash. Well, it just tastes like dry, like champagne. You know, yeah. and they're, they're paper clear and tastes like champagne. And they didn't go down that road. Whereas every other, I, every other place around them was like, Brute IPAs, Brute IPAs, and they're pushing them on everybody. These guys were still just doing their thing, you know? Which is one thing I like about them. It's they didn't they don't go down trends. They kind of they know what they're making. They're good at it. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm kind of glad. Like I could kind of see if somebody said that this was a brewed IPA, and I'd be like, eh. But then yeah. if I drank this, I'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. You know, it just is. It's much lighter. It's much crisper. It has a lot less body to it. Less alcohol. Yeah. But it still has some good like good haziness to it. Like I cannot see through this it's no. very hazy mm-hmm. um it's kind solid mango juicy look yeah. yeah yeah it's very solid i would recommend um if you see they have a union jack ipa that's got the british flag on it if okay. you see that grab it it's good okay 
Um, and then the Velvet Merlin, it's, I, I don't think I've seen it around here. I know at pharmacy, they have some of the more expensive stouts that they put out. Yeah. But um, you could probably get them to get some. Probably, yeah, if they have that. Pharmacies chill about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, they had that cool stuff from Brooklyn that I brought the other day, the three eyes or whatever that was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, great beer. Okay. I'm into it. Sick. Yeah. And their food's good too. Go to All their, right. go to their restaurant. All right. Well, let's start talking about Nazis. Yeah. I'm starting to get, I haven't eaten much this afternoon. So I'm, <laughs> I'm like ready to talk about Nazis. I'm drinking beer. I'm sweating. I'm ready to hear Nazi about Nazis. Time. Yeah. Nazi it's Nazi time. time. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so back to uh, Jacob Spornberg. So this dude Spornberg was in charge of this special Nazi SS testing site in in the Polish mountains, nicknamed Risa, which is uh, probably pronounced wrong, and it's uh, German for giant. So uh, this place was that was the code name of this place. It was called the Giant, and it was basically this giant old factory. So due to increasing Allied air raids, Nazi Germany relocated a large part of its strategic armaments production into these safer regions, including the province of Lower Silesia, which is in Poland towards the um, towards the current Czech Republic border. Okay. Plans to protect critical infrastructure also involved transfer of the arms factories to underground bunkers and construction of air raid shelters for government officials. So they were building these kind of like underground factories where they were going to be pumping out bullets and rockets. One of the big things they were making there was the V2 rockets, which they were using to blow up everybody at the time. Right. So Reese is the code name for this whole construction project that we were just talking about uh, that was going on from 1943 to 1945. There were seven underground structures located in these Owl Mountains, and uh, which was Germany and now is Poland. Like underground, like actually underneath of the ground. Fully underground, yeah. Oh, okay. When you said underground, I thought you meant like quote unquote. Like punk? Underground, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, like they were hidden, not actually physically underneath the ground. These are like buried under the ground. Okay, got it. So if you fly over it, even today, because all the structures are still there, if you fly over it, it just looks like a castle on the side of a forest, you know. Right. Um, I was looking at Google map photos of it earlier today. It's literally just this castle. And um, when you get up closer and you start looking at pictures, that's when people start finding these weird things. They had this thing called the factory, which was a big empty building, which looked like it was some sort of um, cooling tower for a nuclear uh, nuclear weapon building. Mm-hmm. And then there was the circle, which they call the cage or the Stonehenge, which is where they think they were doing all these experiments with the bell. So basically in 1945, when... Uh, when the Soviets rolled into town to beat up all the Nazis, this stuff still wasn't done. They were still working on it. Um, the official purpose of this whole project uh, still remains to today, totally unknown. And uh, outside of Spornberg's testimony, people just don't really have records of this whole area. They don't really know what was going on there. Yeah. So his testimony stands as, as talking about the different uh, factories, the different pieces. Some sources suggest that all the structures were part of a new Fuhrer headquarters. According to others, it was a combination of the new Hitler HQ and arms manufacturing as a series of all these underground factories. The construction work was done by forced laborers, prisoners of war, and prisoners of concentration camps, and most of them lost their lives a lot as a result of disease and malnutrition, and there were also a ton of executions. Spornberg described how he personally oversaw the execution of more than 60 scientists that were working on a special top-secret project there the bell. Spornberg said in his affidavit that they would rather execute top scientists and researchers than let the word of Die Glocke reach the outside world. That included destroying the entire site if anyone outside of the SS got wind of Bell's existence. The theory was that the whole place was wired to blow if anything happened, but it didn't when the 
the Soviet showed up, so nothing blew up. So I don't know if they actually did have a it. It wire. wasn't wired to blow, or it, it didn't blow up. It didn't blow up. So okay, they don't know if it was just him talking Nazi shit. Or, well, you never know. I mean, maybe the Russians rolled in. They were like, "Oh, there's explosives in here," and they disarmed everything and took yeah. it. You know, yeah, and they're like, possible. "Oh, we're gonna save these. Use them somewhere else." Yeah, <laughs> they. I mean, smart. They could have. Yeah. So what is D Glocka? So Spornberg, when he was being essentially tortured and testified. He described it as being composed of a dense, heavy metal and having a bell-like shape. So think um, Philadelphia Liberty Bell. I was actually just thinking. I was like... So that, but not hollow, solid. Okay. The dimensions of the device were roughly 9 feet wide by 12 to 15 feet in height and encased in a completely ceramic cover. Damn, that's a big-ass bell. That is a big-ass bell. That's a huge bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the outside was completely ceramic, very much in the same way that the space shuttle is coated in ceramic tiles. Okay. So they had this very thick cover to it. According to, uh, according to this testimony, the bell housed a central accessor core around which two cylindrical devices that moved in opposite rotation, one clockwise, one counterclockwise, and then during experiments, these two cylinders were filled with a violet colored substance that had a property similar to mercury. The mysterious metallic liquid carried the code name Zerum 525, which straight out of Hydra, you know, with a name like yeah, that. Yeah, right. Various theories have been offered as to what substance this Zerum 525 may have actually been. Some speculate that it's some type of radioactive isotope or of mercury. And uh, I read in another one, somebody called it uh, red mercury which red mercury is basically fake kind of it's a it's a honey trap done by certain governments to try to catch terrorists and so you can see if you go on youtube and you look up red mercury you find all these videos of these guys pouring what looks like mercury but it's bright red Mm -hmm. and moving it around and then there's like a an anonymous email address and so the theory is you're supposed to reach out to them and they can sell you this highly explosive crazy substance but it's it's all a trick. Red mercury doesn't really exist. You sure? I, I mean, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it seems kind of silly now. The cat's out of the bag on this one because I mean, if you're, I mean, how desperate do you have to be if you're like hitting up dudes on YouTube for for an explosive? You know? Yeah. So, anyways, we we can go down that red mercury rabbit hole another day. It's very weird. The most common explanation is that it was mercury antimite oxide, otherwise known as red mercury which allegedly has the capability to produce fission explosions equivalent to the power of 1,000 tons of TNT. Damn. So big old bomb. Yeah. So what happens when you turn the thing on? Once the bell was activated by a high voltage current, the liquid inside would begin to glow brightly and the entire device would emit a strong and heavy radiation that produced adverse effects, even leading to the death of several Nazis, which good thing. Sporenberg described what sounds like severe radiation poisoning and burns. Basically, that scene in Indiana Jones where they open up the Ark of the Covenant and they're all their faces melt. Yeah. That's what, that's what was going on with these people. Oh, man. That's a great scene. <laughs> <laughs> Close your eyes, Mariel. Don't look. Or he's, yeah. I can't remember what even what her name is now. Muriel. Miriam. 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 I think, I think so. Yeah, like they're, you know, Indiana Jones and the Miriam lady, they're tied to that post and yep. they open the thing and he's like, don't open your eyes. Don't open your eyes. And the bad eyes. cartoon ghosts start flying around and melting yeah. everybody. Yeah. yeah. And that Nazi dude gets that jewel thing burned into his hand oh, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then his face melts off. And that's such a classic. And there's scene. always like the one young hot Nazi, like female 
that always get like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And she got her face melted face she got her face melted too <laughs> and rightfully rightfully so yeah before their deaths the scientists reportedly suffered from various ailments such as nerve spasms loss of balance and a metallic taste in the mouth Nazis as they always do threw tons of test subjects at the bell to see how they'd react from children to even house plants they all wanted up dying from some level of radiation exposure there was a supposed effect zone which would result in horrible things for anyone within a few hundred feet of the bell when it was turned on. Animal cells would were said to have crystallized and plant cells turned into goo. So, dang, stay back, I guess. Yeah. According to his testimony, Deglaca was associated with magnetic field separation and vortex compression. This was a type of anti-gravity research that was happening and it seemed like they were trying to develop planes or ships that can move a lot like classic flying saucers, the, the fast, slow stop, and then the hover movements that people always talk about. So I think that's kind of what they were trying to develop with this thing. Um, instead, they just, a lot of people died. According to Spornberg's affidavit, it was a different kind of travel though. He explained that Deglaka's code name was Kronos and Lantern Traeger. Kronos means time, Lantern Traeger means light bearer with strange secret documents he described referring to a quote-unquote gate of time. We joke around all we want about this, but all the evidence points that these Nazis were building a bell-shaped DeLorean in the, in the Polish mountains, and it got even weirder from there. Some said that it was either a time travel device or a time travel viewing portal. When the Soviet army stormed the nearby village of Ludwigsdorf, the home of the top secret site, The Giant, Hitler passed down the word to Sporenberg to off every scientist there working on the Bell Project, which is one of the things he was executed for later, was killing all these scientists. Right. And, uh, and to, quote, unquote, secure the site. That's when General Hans Kammler, who's a really high up uh, uh, Nazi special weapons project manager, he was, uh, he was very high in the SS. He just vanishes off the face of the earth. So if you look this guy up today. He time traveled. Yeah. I mean, if you look him up today, nobody knows what happened. He, he used the bell. Yeah. So after, uh, after a couple of years, his wife had him declared dead and they wrote suicide on the, uh, on the death certificate, uh-huh. but there was no body. Nobody knew where he was, you know, mm. I guess. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Maybe Argentina. He was the first successful Nazi time traveler. Chrononaut. Yeah. Oh, is that the term that we're using? For That's a good name. Chrononaut. Yeah. Chrononaut. That sounds like something they'd say. It's kind of like semi-German, semi-Russian. Yeah. Very World War II-y. It does. It's it's like when you land on the moon, that's the guy that's already there. <laughs> and he's in like a cool futuristic costume. Cap, yeah. Cap and American astronauts. He's living in the Nazi moon base. Oh, yeah. There is a Nazi moon base. Yeah. On the dark side. Yep. He could be. Or there's a couple different explanations that could have happened. All right. Let's hear him. All right. So... He was stationed at this top secret research lab when, like I said, the no, the Soviets showed up and just started offing all these Nazis and he vanished into thin air. There's no evidence of him showing up anywhere else on the planet. And because he was a special kind of Nazi asshole, people were actually looking for him. One of the things this guy did was help design the gas chambers that were used in the Holocaust. And so he was someone they were looking for. You know, the Nuremberg trials, people were actually trying to hunt this guy down. And as they should, this is a, a number one asshole. Yeah. And nobody knew. I mean, they were shaken down. His wife was around giving testimony and, and you know, they were shaking everybody down from his brother to his wife. Yeah. Nobody was talking, you know, and you know, somebody turns the screws on you and your husband's like, the, like a literal Nazi. I think you, I think you probably turn him in at the end of the day. 
Yeah. So anyways, there's two different theories as to where he could have gone. The first is that he was snatched up by the Soviets and put to work in these top secret nuclear weapon development labs. In America, we did something called Operation Paperclip. Have you heard of this? This seems like one of those things where if you tell me what we did, I probably know that, but I don't know what it was called. Yeah. So essentially it was Americans went and grabbed a bunch of Nazis and turned them into Nazi scientists, Nazi scientists specifically and turned them into NASA and you know, the the Manhattan project, basically the new, you know, little man and fat boy or whatever the nuclear bombs they were developed by Nazi scientists. Yeah. The reason we did Operation Paperclip was because we were scared that the Soviets were going to grab up all the super smart Nazis and do their own shady shit with them. Uh, I mean, as we they were probably right, right as, as, the <laughs> as they do, do. right. <laughs> so instead of them doing that, we grabbed as many, but you we know, grabbed them first, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, but you know, somebody like Kamler, this dude vanishes off the face of the earth, so it wouldn't be improbable for him to be in Moscow. Moscow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Moscow. the difference is we grab scientists and we tell the world, ha ha, fuck you. We got your scientists first, right? Russia grabs scientists and they put them in underground research labs and don't tell you shit for 90 years. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like the end of breaking bad where Jesse's just in the basement making meth by himself. I never watched never... a past like season two. All right. All right. All right. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm sorry. I'm good. sorry. It's a good show. So uh, I'll, I'll have to get back on it. <laughs> science, yeah. So he's possibly in a Soviet base. He's probably dead by now. Sure, by now. Yeah, because I think he was 50 or something when this Or he time traveled. Or he time traveled. So <laughs> here, here's here's the other theory. All right. All right. Let's which the is the one, one. This is the one I really, really like. Okay. And, and I'm going to go all in and say this is the this is the correct version of history. Oh, I'm ready for this then. So December 9th, 1965, just outside of Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, a large, brilliant fireball was seen by thousands of people across at least six different states and parts of Canada. It streaked above the buildings in Detroit, Michigan and Windsor, Canada, and uh, ended up just vanishing into the forest. There were reports of hot metal debris raining down on Michigan and northern Ohio, and the debris was so glowing hot that as soon as it hit the grass, it burst the the grass into flames. So something obviously crazy. Yeah. And in Pittsburgh, people reported hearing sonic booms as it started moving across the sky. So breaking the speed of sound, something nuts. Yeah. Folks in the village of Kecksburg, about 30 miles southeast of Pittsburgh, reported something crashing into the woods. Wisps of blue smoke, lots of vibrations like earthquake level vibrations were going off. And some even reported a thump, a thump, a thump. That seems like a big clue. Yeah. I mean, I lived in Pittsburgh for a little while. There's not a lot of natural thumps there. So makes sense. Yeah. You know, you hear a thump. A handful of brave souls, uh, you know, pulled up their pants, put on their put on their uh, jeans and stuff and got out of bed and they wandered out into the woods where this thing was. And guess what they found? A Yeti. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yes, the bell, the skunk ape. Yeah, they came around the corner and there was a large bell sitting on the Are side. Are you of the fi- really? Yeah, yeah. I was right. Yeah. Fuck. I was <laughs> expecting you to be like it was something else, but I just guessed. No, it's a, a large bell-shaped object laying on its side that was glowing white hot with heat. 
Oh wow! Now keep in mind, this is this is exactly twenty years after this dude disappears. Uh, hey, like to the day, to the week. Okay. 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 <laughs> so a handful of so the, these brave souls go out there. They find it. The strange art artifact had foreign inscriptions all over it, just like Spornberg described of the Nazi bell. Okay. So within minutes, the U.S. military force shows up and secures the site and uh, basically kicks all these people out and, you know, does the whole uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe thing where they throw the tent over it and make it. Make oh, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or like E.T. WandaVision. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hundreds of witnesses talk to the newspaper the, the next day. They tell that you can look these up. There's newspaper reports they talk about. They went out in the woods. They saw a bell laying outside. It was about 10 feet tall, glowing bright white. They put it in all the papers. So uh, did Kamler pop in his Nazi time machine and fly 20 years into the future to crash outside of Pittsburgh? Or was he uh, captured by U.S. forces and forced to continue his bell experiments? And then that was his work that crashed 20 years later. Mm, I don't know. That's a that's a tough one. Yeah. I have a bigger question though. How were the feds there so fast? That is a big question. That That's is a not big explained. question because they had to have known when and where this thing was going to oh, yeah. show up and crash. There are no military bases in that area. Right? So it's not like something, you know, and the thing moved across the sky. They, it wasn't hovering or anything. People just watched it crash like a meteor. Yeah. So they, they bunch had of to trucks. Have, yeah, right. They would have had to have known when and where it was going to crash. And they had just, you know, they had to stop for donuts and were like, you know, <laughs> yeah. two or three minutes they were a late. Little off. Yeah. Yeah. They were a little, they were a tiny bit off. The question is, does that prove not prove, but does that kind of lean into the whole time travel thing? Maybe they had a heads up that that's when it was going to reemerge. Yeah. I mean, so maybe it was like, like you said earlier, they were building a bell-shaped DeLorean. Right. Right. And on the DeLorean, there's a little thing that said when yeah. they were going to, like what year and what day and what time and all this stuff. Maybe Nazi dude, homie, jumps in Bell, flips that bitch on real quick to try and get away <laughs> from the Russians. Yeah. Just puts in, I don't know, whatever date, 1965. That seems far from now. Yeah. Hits the go button thing disappears. There's some like, you know, Nazi panel over here with some vacuum <laughs> tubes and shit sticking yeah. out of it that says, you know, it's got the date. Yeah. It says the date and everything. Yeah. And then they're like, the, Oh, ho, ho. government's like hanging out around this Pennsylvania area being like, we know homies coming. We just don't yeah. know when just grab his ass and they're, and they're just waiting NASA. for a giant fireball to come flying out of <laughs> right, the sky. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> they crashes. They just pull them out like you work at NASA now, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, shit, that that'd be awesome. I feel like with them, I mean, obviously a lot of this is speculation, but sure with them showing up that fast as fast as the people describe it. Yeah. I mean, when something bad happens and the feds are there within like three or four right. minutes, Bro, they yeah, knew. Yeah. They Have knew. you ever called the cops for something? It takes them an hour to show up. Oh, yeah. I've and called the cops. On the, yeah. <laughs> You're like, they I take call the cops while. all the time. Yeah. No, I used to live in this neighborhood where we had these neighbors who would just like be out in the street, like breaking bottles in the street and stuff. <laughs> Why? And I would just, I don't know, because they were stupid. Okay. And I'd have to call the cops every so often because it's like 2 a.m. and I'm trying to sleep. It's a Tuesday and they're out here throwing bottles down the street and stuff. Yeah. It takes the cops like two hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To get there. In you Los know. Angeles, when you call the cops, you get a busy signal. 
There could literally be somebody beating your door down. And you're just like, meh, meh, meh. Ah, they break into your house. Right. And you can't own a gun. So it just like it's you're screwed. You're extra bad. Yeah. So assault crowbar. <laughs> what do you, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think happened? What's your guess as to as to the timeline here? Or what went down? I don't know because it's, it's hard to tell the the bell thing coming out of the sky in 1965, right? Yeah, 20 years later. That could be super totally unrelated. It could be. To the bell in Germany, right? Yeah. So here's the thing. If it was the same bell, right. same di- height, dimensions, all of this stuff, it could be the same bell. They could have had a second bell sure. or something. Dude hopped in backup bell and hit the switch or whatever. <laughs> right. And that might, uh, you know, support the idea that he jumped in backup bell because did they find the bell? Was the bell there? No, they never found the bell. Okay. I mean, so, they did in Pennsylvania. They, they, it, they in Poland though. Did they find no, the bell in Poland? No bell was found in Poland. Okay. Okay. So homie jumps in bell. There is no backup bell. He jumps in bell, flips the switches and dips out. Right. Right. Because here's the other question, right? Where did bell in Germany go? Did the Germans have enough time to pull that bitch down and move it? I don't know. Did we ever find another giant bell somewhere else? No, we've never we never found a bell. Officially right? never found any sort of bell. Okay, then I'm going to jump out on a limb and say <laughs> the Russians getting him didn't happen. Okay. And us getting him and having him redesign a bell that actually worked also did not happen. Okay. This homie ran and jumped in old DeLorean time machine Nazi bell. Yep. Flipped a couple switches. Yep. Fat then, fingered the control panel. Yep. Yep. He, he just started smashing. He's just started button smashing. <laughs> There's just Russians running down the hallway. He's like, I don't know the combo for this for this fatality. I'm just going to smash buttons. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. A, B, A, B, start. Um, yeah, homie just jumped in the bell, started button smashing, and disappeared. And somehow, somebody somewhere, I'm assuming our people, knew the date yeah. that homie was going to come out of Well, they the had 20 years vortex. to figure it out. So for him, he was probably super surprised. He was like, oh, no, I just got away from you assholes. How are you here so fast? You're not Russians. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to get away from the Russians. Now I'm dealing with hippie Americans. He's he's in Pittsburgh. Why do you guys put French fries on your sandwiches? He doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm going to go with that one. Yeah, I I mean, I think if I'm going to have to go out on a limb, I, I like the idea of him mashing buttons and just winding up falling out of the sky. 20 years later, you know, enter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then we took the bell. You know, he probably wasn't a scientist. He just knew he he, was. He was like the CEO of the special weapons program. I don't know how my software works. Right. Right. And it probably wasn't software. It was probably like dial, like big dials, like with steam, turning things, flipping switches. He's like, I don't know how this works, but I'm just going (laughs) to do stuff until it goes. Get me out of here. There's like one scared scientist that they forgot to kill and he's in there poking. He's like, no, no, trust me. I got this. He's like, (laughs) he he just happened to put the settings on the perfectly perfect settings to actually make it work. (laughs) And they've just been killing people in plants this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Why can't you make this thing work? And then this dude jumps in to try and get away and is like, I don't know what I'm doing. It's like one lever like turning dials and just like ah. <laughs> and then it were and then it's like the perfect settings to make it actually work. Yeah. Yeah. And then then he's in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I mean that's my thought. That's what I honestly if I'm going to go out of limb I think that's what happened. I like it. I think yeah. that's the one. Yeah. I mean it's probably all bullshit. You know it probably never existed but I like the idea of thinking that this dude jumped in his bell Orion. 
Ooh, Does that work? Yeah, Bellorian. Yeah. It's a Bel Air, but also a DeLorean. All <laughs> in one. It's also a giant bell. Yes. <laughs> I wonder if it makes a noise, like as it takes up, like bong, bong. I don't know. It would have to, right? I mean, it's a shaped like a bell. I guess. Yeah, you'd want it to. I don't know. So the way I first heard about this whole like Glocka Nazi bell thing. Okay. I was super stoned sitting on my couch in Los Angeles as one is as one does and I was flipping through channels and it was the ancient aliens episode and there's an image. I mean go to go to YouTube and put in Nazi bell ancient aliens or something. Okay. And they had this like custom graphic made for the show where they're <laughs> talking they about it. And it's this gigantic <laughs> bell with a huge swastika on the front of it. Oh my God. And it's chained up inside of the Stonehenge thing and it's just blasting back and forth and there's light flying off of it. And I was just like, what is this thing? <laughs> I know I can see your face. You like flipping channels just doing shit and all of a sudden this comes on and you're like, <gasps> yeah. Oh fudge. I was like, I need to learn <laughs> everything about this immediately. Yeah. And then I spent the rest of the night like Googling things and getting freaked out. Like, oh my God, the Nazis had time travel. That means they could be here now. Oh my God. You know? So so no matter what really happened there, and I'm gonna stick with the time travel into Pittsburgh thing. One thing we really know is that the uh, the Nazis were super weirdos about magic stuff. They uh, they did actually search for the Ark of the Covenant, very much like the Indiana Jones movie. They took a field trip to Nepal to seek out wisdom and magical powers, and they snatched up by force or with gold every damn occult book in Europe. They got every single book that could have some sort of magical potion or spell or something in it. Yeah, and brought them all back to Hitler and let him look at them. Because cool. Hitler was super obsessed with all this stuff. Nice. So in the 30s, Hitler couldn't stop reading this book titled Magic, Theory, History, Practice. And he underlined like a ton of these passages in there, including one that said, this, this is a direct quote from that book, he who does not carry demonic seeds within him will never give birth to a new world. Hold on. <laughs> My brain is bending right now. Read that for me again. All right. He who does not carry demonic seeds within him will never give birth to a new world. Okay, so this book is saying that if you're going to bring about the new world, you got to be all full of demons. Yes. Demon seeds. Okay. Sounds like some Constantine shit. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a there's a whole theory that Hitler was actually possessed by a demon, actually a demon. Yeah, and you see if you watch some of the videos that they kind of custom cut and present to you for this exact argument. Yeah. You know, he looks very demonic in some things. I mean, sure. Obviously, you know, this guy is Hitler, so he's horrible. But like when you look at videos, he's wild eyed, you know, rocking back and forth. Super crazy. He was also on meth a lot of the times. Was so, he really? Yeah. Yeah. Hitler That's did, crazy. I never heard that. one. Oh, yeah. Hitler did a lot of meth, like a lot of meth. I assumed Coke. Well, it was kind of the version of Coke that they had at the time. You know, it was a little more like meth. Yeah, it was more methy. It wasn't uh, quite blue meth, but it was no, no, nothing German quite custom. Meth. You never even watched the rest it of it. It was Nazi meth. Show. <laughs> yeah, it was Nazi <laughs> meth. So, anyways, Hitler had demon seeds. Um, in 1934, the year after he was appointed Chancellor of Germany, Hitler hired a dowser to go over the Reich, the Reich Chancellery in search of quote unquote death rays that might damage his employees in the building. You know what a dowser is? No. The people that they get those sticks and they look for water. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You've seen that stuff? Well, yeah. you can do it with almost anything. So if you have sure. different sticks, you can find death rays, I guess. Okay. Um, so he and Himmler, the head of the SS, 
held frequent conversations about the quote unquote world empire of Atlantis, which fell victim to the catastrophe of the moon falling to earth, which I feel like we know about unless there was a second moon at one point, two moons. Oh shit. <laughs> I would get one free and uh, the moon we have now is actually just the Nazi moon base. I think the moon we have now is a dragon egg. Yeah. Um, I hadn't heard that one. Yeah, it's an episode of Doctor Who. Okay. Um, so anyways, it, he was all about Atlantis because obviously Atlantis was the um, the home base of the Aryans. So that's the, where Aquaman the, lives, right? The perfect Aquaman, the perfect <laughs> Aryan. Yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> Jason Momoa really looks like a perfect Aryan. Right, right. <laughs> so basically that's where all the white people originated. So he likes the idea of Atlantis. And there was this other thing that he talked about all the time called Weltishire, which uh, is called the world ice theory, which taught that the cosmos was made of ice and which they saw as Germanic counterbalance to the quote Jewish theory of relativity. So because Albert Einstein came up with theory of relativity, they had to come up with their own idea. Yeah, that wasn't Jewish. Yeah, okay. Could you imagine being the Nazi scientist who gets sat down and said like, Okay, figure out what Einstein was saying and then give us the opposite. And the best they could come up with is that the entire cosmos is made of ice. Yeah. I mean, they're Nazis. Yeah. They had to come up with something fast. Right. I mean, because Hitler (laughs) Hitler's literally standing over your shoulder being quick, buddy. Tell me, tell me. I need to know right now. He's like, Einstein's been working on this shit for years. You want me to come up with something right now? He's like, give me something now. (laughs) Ice planets. I don't know. Ice planets. He's like, good. That's good enough. Now kill him. Right. (laughs) We don't want anyone to know he made this up. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so they just I just I just picture like Hitler walking around shooting every scientist that comes up with something. (laughs) Great idea. Kill him. (laughs) Did anyone write that down? (laughs) Oh my God. So all across the Nazi high command, they just, they believed in magic. They were just very into magic. Yeah. The, uh, the complete monster uh, Goebbels, uh, who was the guy who like sewed twins together and like shot kids in the face and stuff. Just really, really horrible human being. Yeah. He uh, was super obsessed with Nostradamus and constantly quoted Nostradamus. Um, they were also fascinated by biodynamic agriculture, a mystical farming concept borrowed from Rudolf Steiner, which the Nazis believed would provide quote harmony between blood, soil, and the cosmos, which is made of ice. If you remember, many high-ranking Nazis were also enthusiasts for Eastern mysticism, India mist, Tibetan, Tibetan spirituality, Japanese warrior code, which they actually saw as the long-lost teachings of an ancient Aryan race. That makes sense. So it's like double rude. It's like we're super into all of your cool Chinese and Japanese ideas because an old white guy told you that a thousand years ago and now you're just repeating what the white people told you. It's like the ultimate cultural appropriation, right? Yeah. Oh man. I hate that guy (laughs) Um, (laughs) for real though. So Himmler uh, though was the nuttiest of all of them. He was the the head of the SS again. He set up the Ananerbi the Institute for Ancestral Research, which combed Germany and occupied Europe for records and folklore to support his ideas of Aryan heredity. The SS had a witch division, not like sandwich, but like pointy hat. Oh, I'm picking you up. Yeah. (laughs) So they had a witch division responsible for bringing home evidence of witch trials and wizardry, witches, Himmler argued, represented an old Germanic religion that had been cruelly wiped out by the Judeo-Christian religion big like underlined under Judeo, obviously. Yeah, because they're Nazis. 
in his castle at Wevelsburg. Wevel, it's probably Wevelsburg because W's, which was fitted out like the occult layer of a knightly order. He employed an elderly sage called Villagut, who claimed to be the descendant of gods. In return for copious rations of drugs and booze, this old dude Villagut, who went by the name of Wise Thor, Wise Thor, uh, would provide stories about telepathic deities, ancestral white supermen, and a time when giants, dwarves, and mythical beasts moved about beneath a sky filled with three suns. Yes, dude. Yes. <laughs> this is like the German Rasputin. Yeah. 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 Actually, 100%. Except this guy would probably get killed really easy. Like, yeah. You're not dumping this guy in a river. He's just me. hammered all the time and telling all kind of fucked up stories. Right. He's just like a drunk guy. And instead of people being like, Bro, what are you talking about? They're like, yes, <laughs> exactly. That's it. <laughs> it's like it's like when you're at, a, at an outdoor bar and there's like the crazy kind of guy that comes up and he starts telling you stories and everybody shoots him off except that one super drunk dude who just vibes with him instantly and then they go off and like start something together. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the Deglaka Nazi bell. That's like 10% of the crazy Nazi shit. Oh man, I'm so into it. This is so fun. I hope we talk about so much more Nazi stuff. We're gonna, we're gonna. I, I already have. I started making a list when because this one's my favorite. Like okay, because because time travel. uh, You know, I love Doctor Who, so it's got a little bit of like Tardis there and all that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I've got a long list now of all this stuff. So, uh, the Nazi dudes were complete cuckoo, and a lot of people paid the price for it. Obviously, the Nazi bell is just one of many, many very weird Nazi artifacts that may have never existed at all or did and vanished into thin air or Russia or maybe Pittsburgh. Yeah, who knows? It's some it probably turned up somewhere. Yeah, one of the coolest things about the Kecksburg. Uh, they call it a UFO crash, uh, but they found this bell shaped UFO there. And if you go to the town of Kecksburg in the center of town, there's a gigantic bronze bell statue paying tribute to this UFO crash. Oh, wow. And it's got these crazy hieroglyphic inscriptions all over it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of cool. I've seen it. Dang. Yeah. That's so anyways, little, yeah. Nazis. Yeah. What do you think? I'm super into it. This is such <laughs> a fun story. I'm, I'm, I'm lit right now. I mean, I'm only kind of drunk, but I'm so pumped up. This is so <laughs> fun. Like what a fun story. I mean, clearly the Nazis were huge mega dick bags. But this is exactly why I quote unquote like them because this yeah. kind of shit is just so bonkers. This is yeah. such a fun story. I've had a blast just sitting here <laughs> listening to this and I'm, my mind is getting blown. I'm over here just like, oh, fuck. You're like, like I want to shoot him, but I want to read the books they read because they're I, weird. I know. I'm just like mind blown by this whole thing. I'm like, this yeah. is the best story. Yeah. So, so fun. There's lots of things like the Nazi bell that we could pull out. So oh, man. I'm so looking forward to it. I hope we talk about uh, Hellboy at some point too. Oh yeah, well he was I a think, Nazi experiment. I think the Nazi bell was in one of the Hellboy episodes. Was it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to find out. Yeah, I'm I'm reading a book right now uh, that features the. It's a fiction book, but it talks it talks about time travel and everything. And yeah, the Nazi bell has brought up a bunch of. Oh, nice. That's yeah, cool. so it's kind of fun. Um, cool. But yeah, that's all I got on Nazis for now. Cool. Well. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of Berluminati. You got to listen to us laugh and talk shit about Nazis <laughs> this whole time. And uh, we will see y'all again next time. Yeah, talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Berluminati. Our intro and outro music is written by Dungeness. Want to learn more about the topics we cover and who we are? 
Join us on Facebook and Instagram at Brew Luminati Podcast for behind the scenes content and updates. Do you have mystical powers of insight or just questions, suggestions, and feedback? Reach out to us at thebrewluminati at gmail.com. Are you ready to immerse yourself into the inner circle? Visit patreon.com slash podcast. For the same price as a cup of coffee or sandwich you won't remember, you know, because of mind control, you can join the Brewluminati and lift the veil on the true mysteries of the universe. Your membership to the Conclave unlocks access to our secret Discord server, bonus Patreon-only content, behind-the-scenes talks, and much more. Every dollar spent not only helps us reveal the truths of the world, but also frees us to make the show better, weirder, and allows us to go deeper and deeper into the void while funding our next beer run. When we're not talking conspiracies and beer, we're passionate about saving the forgotten puppies and kitties of the world. 10% of every dollar you donate goes directly to the Best Friend Pet Adoption Agency. They are a local 501c3 all-breed, all-foster cat and dog rescue that will save the life of a pet who never had a chance. Keep an eye out because we'll be posting pictures of the lives our listeners save. For more information on Best Friend Pet Adoption, head over to bfpa.org. Join us again next week for another episode of Brew Luminati. We know you will, because again, mind control is real.